privilege and joy to be back with you as you begin celebrating your 125th anniversary. It's been great to be able to visit with so many old friends and meet some new ones already last night and before worship this morning. I can remember celebrating your 100th anniversary under the theme, Be Thou My Vision. Now here we are some 25 years later, celebrating again. Some of us looking a little bit worse for wear, but the church still looking healthy, vibrant, beautiful, and committed. And so I want to begin by commending you. You see, churches are a lot like people and that they go through life cycles. And like people, an awful lot of churches that get into their 60s begin to slow down. They begin to reflect more on their past and their previous accomplishments than have visions for future ones. They lose their zest for ministry. And like people in their 60s, churches sometimes say, we're going to leave the work of missions up to those younger ones. You haven't done that. You didn't do that all of the years while I was here with you, and you have not done that in the years since I left. You have remained faithful. You've remained vigorous, you've remained Christ-centered and mission-minded and completely dedicated to Christian education, regardless of the cost. And so as I said to you on your 100th anniversary 25 years ago, I say to you again on your 125th anniversary, suburban Bethlehem, your best years of ministry are still ahead of you. And the Father says, you are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. However, you dare not allow those accolades to begin to go to your head. There was a church called Philippi that was the Apostle Paul's dearly beloved church. It was the most vigorous, outstanding giving of any of the churches he started. And he refers to that church as a shining star in the middle of darkness in chapter 2 of Philippians. But then he proceeds to tell them, the reason you are a shining star is because it is God who is at work in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. In other words, apart from Christ, none of us can do anything. It is God who comes to us when we are dead in our trespasses and sins, and he gives us life. He gives us faith. 
He gives us forgiveness. And then his Holy Spirit gives us the desire to do what is contrary to our own sinful will and actually begin to do what's pleasing to God. And not only does the Holy Spirit give us the desire to do so, he then gives us the spiritual gifts and the abilities and the resources to carry out that which is pleasing to him. Of course, for most of us, that began in our baptism. When we who are dead in our trespasses and sins were adopted into God's family, given life and salvation. Well, that begs the question with today's gospel lesson, why was Jesus baptized? He was holy, perfect, without any sin of any kind. John knew that. That's why he tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, not you baptized by me. And then Jesus makes this key statement. It changes everything. He says, let it be so for now, for it is, this translation said, fitting, some say proper. I think the most accurate translation is, it is necessary for us to fulfill all righteousness. God commanded a baptism of repentance in preparation for the Lord. And so Jesus obeyed it because it was God's command, even though Jesus himself didn't need it. He obeyed it. Because that was Jesus' life, wasn't it? From his birth to his death. A life of perfect obedience to the Father. Obedient unto death, even death on a cross, we're told in Philippians. Jesus fulfilled all of God's righteous requirements. Jesus was, from birth to death, perfection lived out in flesh and blood. And why? All so he could earn the right to offer his one perfect life as a sacrifice for all of our sins. Think about that. One man, one time, in one place, giving his life for all of mankind, of all time, and in every place. It was God's great exchange. As Paul says in Corinthians, he who had no sin was made to be sin on our behalf so that we could receive his righteousness as our very own. And of course, we all became immediate recipients of that forgiveness and that righteousness at our baptisms. And so just as the Father spoke when Jesus came out of the water at his baptism, God, our Heavenly Father, in effect said over each of us as we were baptized, you are now my beloved. In you, I am well pleased. 
Folks, that statement is both personal and corporate at the same time. It's a blanket of our Lord Jesus Christ's holiness, which covers each one of you as an individual child of God, as well as all of you together as the family of God. So you each and you all are God's beloved with whom he is well pleased. And the only proper response to that is, thank you, Jesus. And so here we get Baptist for a minute. Amen? Amen. And because God's Holy Spirit was poured out upon us at our baptisms as well, we have been empowered individually and corporately to desire to serve God, even though that is against our own sinful nature. And we have been given all of the necessary abilities and resources to do so. And you, over the last 125 years, have taken advantage of that. Beginning with a Lutheran school, to this day, you're the only church I know that had a school 10 years or so before it had a church. And then the church and the summer camp, and all of the other ministries that have been so effective here over all those years. Now, we've covered baptism, Jesus' baptism, our baptism, and we've covered 125 years. Quick trip, wasn't it? But what about the future? The Bible tells us in the very next verse in all three of the Gospels that immediately after Jesus' baptism, he was led out into the wilderness to be tempted. And the same thing is true with you. At your age, 125 years, and in this particular time in our culture, there are two major temptations that you will wrestle with every day. Temptation number one is to cling to your past, to worship your traditions, and want to do things the way your fathers did or your grandparents did, because if it was good enough for them, it's good enough for you. Folks, this is not our parents' world or our grandparents' world. It is an ever-changing, different world even since I retired from ministry just a few years ago. It's an anti-Christian culture. It's a culture that doesn't even know what Christmas and Easter is about, and it is a culture filled with all kinds of new innovations and in technology every day. And this ever-changing culture calls us to doing ministry in new methods, 
and with different approaches and with different styles. And those have got to be done if we are going to maintain our youth as well as reach the lost around us. COVID has already shown us that, hasn't it? Who would have dreamt five years ago of having worship out of the back of a pickup truck underneath the entrance of the church like you were at a drive-in theater, which has been out of style for 40 years? I remember when we used to joke about having to get our kids to program our VCRs. Now our VCRs are antiquated. And I still need help to program my smartphone. And it's easier than the VCR was. It's a different world. It's a world that calls for different methods, different strategies, different styles. So the first temptation is to hang on to the past, which will not work in the present. The second temptation is just the opposite. The second temptation is to cave in to this modern, woke, anti-Christian culture that's beating upon us every day and to compromise the gospel to give in on God's word for fear of being criticized or losing some members or, yes, even being persecuted. We have to change styles with the times. We dare not compromise the faith at any time. For the Lord's goal for us is to preach the changeless truth of Jesus Christ as the world's Lord and Savior to an ever-changing culture in relevant ways that today's people can understand. Now, if you do that, there's going to be some new old geezer standing in this pulpit 25 years from now as you celebrate your 150th, and he is going to say to you, Suburban Bethlehem, your best years of ministry are still to come. You are my beloved with you. I am well pleased. Amen.